0: Men who have lived for weeks under nightmare conditions can no longer discriminate between what they see with their own eyes and the figments of their imagination. Georges Blanc, Verdun. Hello and welcome to the Battle of Verdun podcast episode 10, The Trench of Bayonets. With the last episode, we covered the furious fighting that took place at Verdun during June of 1916. For those listeners out there who already know the history of the battle, you may have noticed that the story of the Trench of Bayonets was missing from episode 9. For folks who have not heard of it before, this is the story where a whole unit of French soldiers was found to have been buried alive with only the bayonets of their rifles sticking out of the ground. There's no way you can tell the story of the battle at Verdun in 1916 without talking about the trench of bayonets. The battle, with its numbing, list of horror after horror just isn't complete without it. It is a story that deserves to be told on its own, though. The legend of La Tranchée de Bayonnette probably combined the reality of what was found on the ground in 1919 with a battlefield rumor that originated from June 1916. It was during the tense days when fighting for the Ouvrage de Thillermont and Fleury village were at a fever pitch. The fate of the battle hung on the edge of a knife. On both sides, but especially for the French, there was chaos on the battlefield. We've gone over all of it before. The constant artillery, the lunar landscape, the summer heat and the bodies, the fighting. All of this going on for weeks and months without end came together to stretch many men's minds to the breaking point. With many others who indeed crossed over and never came back. There were things out there you'd see that only a fellow veteran would be able to understand because he had seen them too or he had seen worse. According to George Blom's book Verdun, published in France in the 1960s, there was a weird story told by a lieutenant. This officer put the night of what he saw as between June 12th and 13th, 1916. He was moving through the battlefield at the Ravine de la Dame, a ravine just north of the Ouvrage de Thiumon. This lieutenant took a communication trench trenches that served as pathways to connect to the main trenches. And he was suddenly treated to a ghastly sight. In the trench, at the ready, with bayonets fixed to their rifles, were some 50 Poilus. They were dead, but remained standing, apparently from rigor mortis. The lieutenant called out to one Poilu, whom he saw was sitting on the floor of the trench rather than standing with the others. No answer. He was dead, too. The lieutenant now realized he was standing amongst dozens of dead men who were all around him, each one obviously silent. Battle of Verdun is full of horrific images and imagery. This one definitely qualifies as one of the eeriest. This lieutenant wondered how it came to pass that all the men had been killed, but left standing at their posts. I would assume once he was done thinking that particular thought, he got his collective mare together and got the hell out of there. At least I would. Three years later, after the war had ended, a regimental commander came back to Verdun to try to piece together how his unit had been decimated during the battle. One of his infantry companies had been positioned at the Ravine de la Dame when he got there and looked around, he saw, roughly equally spaced, some 30 rifle muzzles with fixed bayonets sticking out of the ground. This was where that company had been holding the line. When the ground under each rifle muzzle was excavated, the corpse of Opoilu was found. At first, it was believed the men had been buried alive by shellfire, having given the ultimate last full measure, and died at their posts. But then that lieutenant's weird story of the trench full of upright dead men was remembered, and, hey, didn't he say that trench was in the Ravine de la Dame? It was, wasn't it? As the discovery of the filled-in trench went round, the distorted, buried-alive story went round with it. As macabre as it was off the mark, it spread widely, because it was also proof
1: of the bravery
0: and commitment of the French soldier. You have to remember, this was now 1919. France had just suffered 1,327,000 of her sons killed in the previous four years. Of a population of just under 40 million, France had mobilized 168 of every 1,000 citizens. Of those 168 citizens, 34 had been killed. France had arguably suffered the greatest demographic impact of the Great War as compared to Great Britain or Germany. As it was in these countries as well, the war was immediately and ever visible through the fact that in all of France's villages, towns, and cities, all of the young men were gone, so the legend of La Tranche de Bayonet grew. Maybe in some part because the story, as tragic as it was, at least gave meaning to those men buried under their rifles. They had died, but at least they had died defending their line, defending their land, and thus defending their country and their families. And that meant that they had not died in vain. The real story of the trench of bayonets does not take away from that meaning in any way, however. The Poilus buried under their rifles in that trench were part of Number 3 Company of the 137th Regiment d'infanterie. hailing from the Vendée region of France, of which Alistair Horn has written, was traditionally the home of the most stubborn of French fighters. The 137th had an honored history going back to the Napoleonic battles at Lutzen, Bautzen, and Hanau. Side note, I've been to both Bautzen and Hanau, so obviously Lutzen will have to be next. The motto of the 137th was, Tenacious in Defense, Feared in the Attack, and it had taken part in just about every major battle and campaign of the war to date. Sometime between June 2nd and the 12th, the 137th manned the line north of Thielmont with the number no. 3 Company in trenches on the northwest side of the Ravin de la Dame. It was an exposed position and the Germans pounded it mercilessly with artillery, stopping only to launch attacks against the ever dwindling number of survivors. The remains of the company, 70 out of 164 men by June 11th, held on desperately until the few who remained alive ran out of ammunition and were taken prisoner. These battered men left a trench full of their dead friends. The Germans, for reasons of battlefield hygiene, as much as for respect and some measure of decency, filled in the trench but left rifles sticking out of the ground as grave markers. This would signal to any other follow-on troops that where the rifles protruded was not a good area to dig. By June 12th, according to Colonel Collet, the unit commander at the time, the 137th, had been wiped out almost to the man. The fixed bayonet rifles left by the Germans would be the ones Calais would find in 1919. As the legend of the trench of bayonets spread, it reached the ears of a Mr. George F. Rand, a wealthy banker from Buffalo, New York, who was then in France a devout Christian and patriotic American, the Great War had deeply touched Rand. He had written President Woodrow Wilson a request to fund and equip an entire regiment at his own expense upon America's entry into the war in 1917. 1919 found Mr. Rand in France hoping to somehow assist in the reconstruction of the shattered country. Rand visited the former Verdun battlefield and saw the Trench of Bayonets. He was so moved by the site that he offered 500,000 francs to build a monument over the site to preserve it forever. His one condition was that the site be secured for France. French President Georges Clemenceau, ironically himself, born in the Vendée region, agreed and accepted the donation on behalf of the French army. It seems, though, that not even Verdun's monuments could escape tragedy. George Rand was killed the day after his pledge in a plane crash as he began his journey back to the U.S. Declaring his commitment to preserve the Trench of Bayonets was literally one of the last things he did while alive. His children, Honoring their father's word, carried out his request and saw that the monument was built. The monument, like the rest of the Verdun battlefield, is sobering and eerie. A thick concrete roof has been built over the side of the trench where the rifle muzzles were encased in concrete and the bayonets long since stolen by vandals. Next to each concrete cylinder in the ground is a cross stating Soldat Francais Inconnu unknown French soldier it is a quiet site a place in which to pause and reflect on what happened there and there it is the trench of bayonets should any of you listeners out there ever have the chance to visit the Verdun area this site is not to be missed and with that next episode we'll get back to the story and kick off at the beginning of July 1916 the Anglo-French offensive on the Somme will open up and 5th army will make one last try at breaking through the French at Verdun Questions, comments, or concerns, please write me at the website battleoverdonepodcast.com or on the Facebook page through Tumblr, Stitcher, or FeedBurner. Talk to you folks again soon. Take care.